welcome to a novel evening. I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books. And for this episode, uh, this is a really exciting one for me. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I have always been a really big fan of the TV program Most Haunted. Although I am a wimp, I do hide when I'm watching it. However, its host, the absolutely delightful Yvette Fielding, has written two novels the ghost hunter chronicles um that are spooky they are creepy they are for younger readers however as an adult i can testify they're still pretty scary if you're a grown-up um and i'm really really excited to get to chat with her all about the paranormal all about her novel evening all about her books and i'm sure we're going to touch on most haunted as well um so let's check out her novel evening so a massive hello to Yvette. Hello. Hi. Thank you. All so the way much. from Devon. I know. Devon to Devon. <laughs> <laughs> we do. It is a good place to be. What can I say? It's the, the place to be, I think. <laughs> Everybody's so, I mean, where we live in Cheshire, it's really, really friendly. But here, I don't know what it is. Everybody's smiling and there's not one grumpy person that, that all the time, because we have a we're very lucky we have another house here and yeah. every time everybody that we meet the builder that's coming around and hello Yvette how are you my love you yeah. so friendly and so lovely and everybody's just so happy and it's just an absolute delight so we love coming here very much so it's the first time we brought our dog Watson here oh. and he's gone out with Carl Carl's out at the moment my hobby and they've just gone for their his, la, his last uh, his nightly walk. So he's gone for his nightly walk. Oh, I love it! And it is very. We do like our dogs, oh, and it's wonderful because <laughs> we, we can take them into nearly all the pubs, nearly all the restaurants, everything. Yeah. And because he's a, a he's a very handsome British bulldog, he Ooh. gets a lot of attention. You know, yeah. he's a bit of a slot, is Watson. You know, all these lovely ladies will come over and he'll be like, oh, yes, I'm going to make myself look really gorgeous and handsome for you. And he gets all the fuss, you know. Oh, I love that. You know, he's so lovely. So so we're just loving our little holiday here, you know. Oh, and it seems like you are, you know, you're in need of a break because obviously you've been busy writing. Yes, and I'm even on holiday, I'm, I'm writing away. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you can have another book I know and it never stops and I think that's just because we have you know as writers we just love writing that's what we yeah. love doing and reading and you know it's it absolutely can't get enough of it you know I love that you're you know you're away on hot day and you never know some inspiration on the Devon coast you know oh you know. oh wow absolutely I hope to finish the book that I'm writing at the moment here in Devon because I just think that would be really lo lovely memories, you know. Oh, I finished that in Devon, you know, that's nice. So obviously we're going to chat all about your your novels that I have yeah. in my hand, The Ghost Hunter Chronicles. I am so intrigued by anyone who writes sort of spooky books for a younger reader. <laughs> because I think I can remember being sort of like 10, 11 and buying Goosebumps way back when. And being absolutely terrified and buying these books and, you know, reading two pages of it and being too scared to carry on. And The Ripper of Whitechapel is the newest one. And you've also got The House in the Woods. What was the kind of motivation behind starting these, these stories? And, you know, did you always intend for them to be for younger readers? I wrote, well, no, not really. I, I mean, I just, I wrote them. I think I have quite a young mind. I wrote them for me really it was just me speaking and my experiences that I had with the paranormal and I put them into you know the adventures with Eve Tom and Clovis who are three 13 year olds and I thought I think I I have a young enough mind and a young enough way of putting words on on paper as it were that it, it's just me but I think younger audiences actually can understand it and go with it you know I'm not I'm I don't even build myself as a writer or an author and I, I just don't I just for me I'm just writing down what I absolutely love and um and it seems that not just young readers but older readers are oh, yeah. enjoying it as well um and I love that I, I, I because I like I say I don't go right this is for a certain age group I'm mm -hmm. just putting pen to paper 
and it just seems to have stuck at this sort of young adults and then older readers are, are really enjoying it and and it, it's very strange because I remember being in a bookshop before I wrote The Ghost Hunter Chronicles and there was this lovely mum and she had two I'd say they're about 12 these these young lads and they were browsing through some books and I said I said is there anywhere I could just have a quick chat with your sons yes yes and I explained I said oh well I'm thinking of writing these paranormal books but I don't really know how spooky to take it anyway she said, of course of course so we all sat around uh, on these sofas in this in this uh, bookshop and they said to me please Yvette oh make it scarier I love to sh I love to shake when I read a book <laughs> and I was like and I said to Anderson Press I said how scary do I make this do I do, you know because some really frightening stuff has happened to me put yeah. it in put it in be truthful just put everything in that's happened to you and we'll we'll take it from there and that that is exactly what I've done I do I, you know I'm obviously not a younger reader I am an adult reader I very much enjoyed um I am more of a wimp I would say um <laughs> when it comes to the you know paranormal and anything like that but I think I remember as a, you know when I was sort of a teenager you like you know I remember sneaking off to watch horror movies that I absolutely knew I shouldn't be you know much too old for me parents would never let me there's something about when you're younger wanting to be scared you know, because you're not supposed to do things that are scary and, you know, reading, you know, frightening novels is a way to kind of, you know, be under the bed covers and yeah. be reading something really kind of that goes bump in the night. Um, but yeah, for me, this was a daytime read because I cannot, <laughs> I cannot read anything at all spooky. Um, and I have to ask, with your characters, were your characters kind of the the first sort of stepping point? Did you have your characters first or was it really the idea of kind of the events that you'd had both really I know that sounds a bit of a cop-out but it was it was both it was I mean Eve I sort of modeled on a, a 13 year old me mm -hmm. so how I would would have reacted if I'd done paranormal investigating most haunted and so on when I was her age yeah which would have been one minute cry and I have done it crying absolutely terrified but then the next minute going no come on we can do this let's let's find our bravery let's go it let's do it so I sort of worked on that bit um and yeah the other characters are based on mixtures of, of other people that I know and I've sort of put them together and uh, and, and and got their got their characters out on paper um but uh yeah it, it like you I cannot I will not watch anything spooky I can't read anybody else's books. Um, just recently, I was, I was asked to do a TV show um, and it was about horror. And we had to watch clips of famous horror movies like The Exorcist and all this. Oh, it was, I can't tell you, Danny. It was absolutely horrific. And that night I had a nightmare. And when I write these books, I actually have night terrors. Wow. And it's because I'm so focused on my past investigations and current investigations and I'm writing it all down and it's in my head all this poltergeist activity paranormal activity it's all the time it's all all in my head so when I go to bed at night you know I might have a dream that something's under the bed and I'll wake up screaming <laughs> you know but that's because I'm living it 24 7 if I'm not writing about it I'm going out on an investigation I'm going to somebody's haunted house and helping them out trying to clear it you know I'm I'm, I'm doing a podcast called paranormal activity which is all about paranormal activity so it's it's actually in my mind 24 7 so the only thing I can do after I've written a chapter or a couple of chapters in the day, um, I will then uh, put on at night time while I'm watching uh, my laptop in bed, I'll put on Mary Poppins or I'll put on oh. Winnie the Pooh or I'll put on some kind of oh, Paddington. I'm just about to start Paddington too. And it's a way of decompressing because yeah. if I didn't do that, I would, I, you know, I, I actually fear <laughs> for what I would end up being like because I need to give my brain time to just relax and not think about anything frightening. Um, 
and um, yeah so uh i don't know if i answered your question but i sort of like i sort of veered off i think yeah is it quite cathartic to write these books then and kind of get get those experiences out on paper as you're kind of writing and do you kind of find that helps i don't know i just find it exciting so um i'm just uh, in the latest book um you know uh i talk about a particular ghost harming the investigators mm. and when i first started doing paranormal investigations i remember people say oh ghosts can't harm you and i was like well good they can't harm you that's absolutely fine yeah. but over the years i've seen things that defy all logic that has absolutely I resigned from most haunted because I was seeing things that really frightened me and so I've written about them in the book so uh and and again I was saying to the publisher you know I'm saying is it okay is it all right to put that in there and again yeah 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 don't worry about it it's the truth so that that's what's happened yeah. you know I mean I remember most haunted I was a teenager when you first started uh started doing that and I do remember my parents were like, don't watch things like that. You'll have nightmares. And of course, I absolutely did. <laughs> um, it used to absolutely fascinate me. I'm a big true crime fan as well. I like things oh, that yes. are just scary enough that they're not too terrifying, you know. But I, you know, paranormal is something that's always fascinated me. We've had uh, we've had some weird, you know, we've lived in some very strange flats where things have happened that have been very uncomfortable. And, you know, my husband is a complete skeptic you know, we left a flat that we lived in because I was absolutely convinced that something there did not want us to live yeah, there anymore. Yeah. I wanted to leave. Um, but he's, but you know, he's sort of the eye roll and the, you know, okay, fine. <laughs> and I think it's so fascinating. I mean, for you to say as well that, you know, you know, you get frightened and it must've been so intense to do that job for so many years and be captured, you know, on camera with those reactions. And I'm sure people have in the past accused you of either acting or... Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. Oh, you fake it. It's all fake. And you know what? If I was watching it, I would say it was fake because it was a TV show. And it's still a TV show. And I do know that there are paranormal uh, TV programmes out there all around the world. And some of them are, you know, made up. And some of them are, you know, they have props and they have teams of prop builders go in weeks before they rehearse they you know uh, so I know all this because we've met the producers um and they're gobsmacked what do you mean it's it, it's real well yes it's real yeah. so you don't rehearse no we go in on the day and we spend the night yeah but don't 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 you have prop props and don't you have like fishing wire and don't you have other people hanging around making things happen for you no it's it's real and I think that's why I love it so much is because I know what we do is real and I think my skin is very hardened to the critiques or criticism rather that people have you know oh it's a load of rubbish and it's it's faked and this that and the other for, for 20 years I've had that so now I just laugh and say yeah whatever but what we do now uh, for people that say that and I say it on social media and it doesn't make me giggle people will say what a load of rubbish how can you sleep at night you fake stuff and yet I'll um Carl very um wisely set up a, a, a company called Most Haunted Experience where you can go to the website and choose a, a location around the UK and you choose and you can spend the night with myself, Carl, the most haunted wow. team, and you spend the night ghost hunting with us. And they, and we've been doing that for about, gosh, ten, how many years now? Maybe 10, coming up for 10. Wow. And the amount of people that come on there and go away, some of them crying, some of them just like, oh my God, it's real. I can't believe that we're experiencing stuff that we see on the telly. For instance, the knocking and tapping phenomena that I talk about in the book, mm -hmm. real phenomena, and it happens on the show. So these people, these wonderful people that are coming on a most haunted experience, they're feeling the knocking, the tapping under their feet. They see the table vibrating and lifting off in front of their eyes, you know, doors slamming in front of them. Yeah. And that to me is worth Oh, it's like winning the lottery because they turn to us and say, oh my God, it's real. 
this is fantastic it's real and that for me like I say is winning the lottery and that's and also because what it does is and I meet an awful lot of people who lost loved ones mm -hmm. and I want to be able by doing this working with them is giving them that peace of mind that comfort that their mother their father their grandparents yeah they actually go on they actually live on they're actually in a beautiful place and that was another reason why I wanted to write the books was because I don't know if, you know with your children whether at some point you have to explain to them that we actually die we don't live yeah. forever and every parent at some point will have that conversation and it's a really tough conversation to have and especially when grandma or granddad dies they're not very well and having to explain that so I just wanted as for, for a lot of you know young adults as well that have lost loved ones to try and sort of in the books get across this message that no this is not the end that there is life after death and we do go on and we do go to a beautiful beautiful place and they can see you and they can hear you and I my dad passed on over 10 years ago and I have I have the most amazing relationship with my father fabulous I I every, every on his birthday father's day he gets champagne he gets cards he gets a cake with candles and the knocking starts and the tapping starts. Are you happy, Dad? Two for yes. Bang, bang. Happy birthday to you. And he'll tap along with wow. that table will go. And I got tears in my eyes because I know my dad's happy. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of wanting to, to sort of try and pass on. So to give to give people hope, you know, and yeah. comfort that there is life after death. I think that's so fascinating. I um I lost my grandfather very recently, actually. Um, so that is a conversation I've had to have with my children very, very recently, only a couple of months ago. Um, trying to explain that to them, you know, my children are only five and three. So it's a very hard time for them to be able to kind of wrap their heads around. My my little girl is is quite astute, actually, and she's got quite a quite an interesting take on death and, and life. My little boy was like, oh, okay, uh, on with the next thing. Um, but I do think that death is something that has become just a subject that you, you shouldn't talk about, be it kind of with the, the supernatural, the paranormal, or just in a general whole thing. You know, it's become this sanitized, bizarre. Anyway, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, people die in their homes with their families present. You know, your family would take care of your body. They dress you, they'd prepare you. And it's become this very strange thing that all happens behind closed doors and I think that's why it's easier for people to think, well, ghosts aren't real. That that isn't real, because it is it is this idea of well, you know, all that happens somewhere else, and when it's done, it's done. It happens behind some screens and some curtains, and then that's final. And I think the idea of it not being final for some people is almost scarier than admitting, you know. Yeah, I do. That it I is. Feel, yeah, I feel not sorry for that's. I don't want people to go, how dare you? But I, I'm trying to find another word for. I, I feel. Um, I say sorry for for the moment but I do feel sorry for people that um don't believe in a life after death and what, that when you're dead you're dead and I think that if they're happy with that and that that's their way of dealing with it then that's absolutely yeah. brilliant but there are some people out there and I know a few who don't believe in a life after death and they've taken to drink and yeah. you know they can't deal with living because they don't know what it's all about What's the point in me going through mm. all this? What's the point in this? All the hardships that people come across in life, I think, um, are made a thousand times worse because they don't know what it's all for. Yeah. And when they think, well, when you're dead, you're dead. What's the, what's the point? What's the point? And I think that's incredibly sad. And so, I, you know, what was religion invented? We're going quite deep here. But what was religion invented for? It was for faith. So people had the faith. Mm. you know keep going keep the faith you know you'll go to heaven you know if you're naughty and bad you'll go to hell and that you know that 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 was it but it, what that's ultimately the, that word isn't it it's faith having faith yeah. in something you know um, keeps you going through life and you know gives you something to 
to look forward to, you know, seeing God Almighty, you know. Uh, I mean, I personally don't believe that there is a God that sits up there with a great big long white beard and a big white robe. I believe that we were created by something. And um, but what that something is, I don't know. But I, I, I know for a fact that we go on to, to somewhere else. Absolutely. I love the fact that your books as well will open up an opportunity for younger readers in particular as well as older readers to kind of think about that as well and kind of think about what's after and you know I think our world moves so fast now you know technology is just everywhere and actually kind of getting lost in what we don't know is kind of a really beautiful thing because every, we seem to have answers to everything don't we at like the touch of a button and it's the one thing there's no answers for there's no black and white no, and I think I that's really wonderful for you know yeah. the sort of teenager picking up your book and thinking a bit about yeah. what does happen yeah what happens to us to us yeah. when we and nobody knows the only people that know 100 percent are the people that have passed on yeah. they're the experts so if anybody ever says you know if you're interviewing anybody well i'm an expert in paranormal i'm an expert no you're not because you don't understand nobody understands it nobody mm -hmm. knows not one person knows what happens to us when we pass on I think yeah. that's why there's so many people out there who are very keen to find, like you say, be an expert or be, you know, a debunker or, because I think as, as a race for us to have something we know nothing about, we can't, <laughs> we can't cope with it. You know, we that's can't so deal true. with it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I love the fact that, you know, anyone who picks up these books is just going to think about after and think about, and also, you know, you're tackling some, some dark themes here as well, which I find really interesting. You know, in the book one, you've got the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. I remember my mother being very clear to me not to ever <laughs> touch one of those. I can remember her getting very cross, actually. I think on Halloween or something we mentioned it, and she was furious. And then obviously you've got Jack the Ripper, which is such an iconic, an iconic unsolved mystery as well. You know, you've got, uns it's, again, it's unsolved and it's, it's the mysteries behind these things. What comes next for your group of, you know, your ghost hunters? Well um I, I i think i am allowed to say what it is it's um the working title at the moment is called the rise of the pendle witches oh. <laughs> the pendle witch i mean that's it's just yeah uh oh and it's been an absolute journey i have to say i've thoroughly enjoyed myself i finished it and uh but it's each book is getting bigger and bigger and bigger because <laughs> wow you know uh, all of a sudden there's 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 more there's more to it so i'm building yeah. this slowly i'm building this this world and i absolutely adore I, I i mean who doesn't you know you jump into a book i mean and 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 you enter a a, a wonderful world and you can escape you know the day-to-day -day life that you live I mean, I'm very lucky. I live a very lovely life, but I still, as a child, I loved diving into the world that C.S. Lewis had created, Tolkien had created, you know, and still Tolkien. Oh my God, I'm beside myself with excitement. The fact that there's the new Lord of the Rings series come out. And I'm saving it. I'm saving it for this weekend because I promised my, my daughter who's 22. Oh. oh, we're watching it together with a bottle of wine. Um, you know, I, I absolutely, I mean, Tolkien, both those men, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, what worlds they created. I mean, how amazing to create, but Tolkien create to create languages oh, just... and, and, and so, the songs and all the different races and the histories. It was just, I mean, genius, genius, genius. And I, and for me to create a world like that is incredibly special. So I've tried and I'm certainly not, no way, <laughs> anywhere near that, uh, you know, but I, in my own mind, I'm, I'm trying to create, and I, I, at the beginnings of a world, um, you know, called the Vale, and where, you know, it's, it's a place where we go before you go on to your, to the next plane. It's a place where you get collected from your loved ones. So, um, you know, I, I've really enjoyed creating this this new world um, and the characters that Eve, Clovis and Tom are becoming, you know, they're, be they're having to grow up very quickly yeah. because of what they're having to deal with, yeah. um, you know, and for me, 
and, and to be ex accepted into an organization, which is, you know, the SPI, the Society for Paranormal Investigations, which is a very secretive organization. Um, and it has not just ghosts, but everything to do with all sorts of the phones are ringing, people are seeing ghosts, are seeing vampires, werewolves, everything, you know. So I've sort of, and they're like, oh my God, this whole world is completely, I didn't, I thought this was just in books, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really excited. So when I write, you know, I, all of a sudden, I'm delving into this, <gasps> this world. It's like I have to hold my breath and, you know, before I dive in. Um, and I, I'm really excited. So when I've written the latest book about the witches, uh, that, yeah, that was really, I think, frightening because uh, I was dealing with a, a real case yeah. You know, the, uh, the, these women were persecuted. Some of them admitted to being witches and some of them obviously were, very, were innocent and just, you know, poor Alice Nutter. She just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. It's like your neighbour calling in for a cup of sugar. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, have you got a cup of sugar? You're here. You must be a witch. You're going to get hanged. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, how awful. So learning all about that and that time period and uh I, I found absolutely fascinating and again every time I went to bed you know and because I've done I've done investigations of the Pendle witches wow um, I, I've been to Pendle Hill I've done a most haunted live from Pendle Hill where it all went horribly horribly wrong and the ambulance had to be called and members of the team were being given oxygen and it was horrific so I've used those experiences yeah. in the book. They all, um, all the crew, I think there must have been eight in total. I can't remember how many, but they all collapsed through pressure to the Adam's apple. Oh my like, gosh. They were being strangled. And allegedly what was coming through via the Ouija board and, and other ways um, was that they were showing us what it was like to be hanged. Oh my word. Yeah. So anyway, so you've got that to look forward to. That's <laughs> intense. I think this is an excellent segue as well. You know, you're talking about all these worlds being created and characters to, to dive into your, your novel evening. And I'm oh. I'm not sure what to expect now. I, I kind of was thinking maybe some historical based characters were coming in. But, you know, as a C.S. Lewis and Tolkien fan, I feel like anything could be about to happen. Okay. So exactly where? Yes, where? Yes, first off, well, where are we going to go? Well, we're going to go to the land of Tolkien and uh, and Hobbiton. You see, I mean, perfect. I mean, how amazing is that? So I, I know it was filmed in New Zealand, but for me, it's real. Oh, like, same, same. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, when 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 my daughter or Carl will say, "No, no, wasn't it filmed?" And I go, "Shut up." <laughs> It's so realistic, like even in the pages of the book, it feels like you could be reading about somewhere in Devon. You know, you could yes. be reading about somewhere down the road. Oh, it's it's just so beautiful, and I and I thought I think the films really captured it incredibly oh, yeah. well. So for me, that's where I would be, and I would be in Bilbo Baggins. I'd be in the house there in his little Hobbit hole. Uh, you know, we're going to bag end. Yeah. Oh, that's it, bag end. Though. Bag end. Perfect. Yeah. And there's always good food in bag end as well. Lots of it, particularly pies. Yeah. Pies you keep the good larder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah. So that's where I would be. Perfect. Okay. So who's the first person who's going to arrive at the Shire? Well, uh, now. Can I include my, my family? Because it's got to be my... Or, um, is my family already there? I mean, perhaps they're already there. Perhaps they've travelled with you. Yes. So so my lovely... Yes, so my family are already there. That's lovely. So who... And can they be alive or dead that knock on the door? Either or. Any, anything goes. Well, instead of Gandalf, the knock at the door would be Churchill. Oh. Yeah. What a fascinating gentlemen i would love to share a glass of wine a big lump of cheese and a slice of pie in my little hobbit hole with my family and churchill that would be interesting They'd, oh. i would love to hear you know just to talk to him not yes. about the war just to talk to him just to talk to him that's what i mean because he was a great artist he was very very creative oh. um i know he i think he 
he lost a daughter at a, a very early age from, from mm -hmm. illness. Um, and that really affected him and his wife, obviously. Um, you know, did that have a, an effect on his creativity, on his painting, on his work? Mm. You know, I, I, I just think he was such a, whether, whether people love him or loathe him, um, for me, I just think he's, as part of our British history, I just think he's one of the pivotal, you know, role that I, yeah. I, I, I do. I, I look at that man and I think, Oh my God, you know, you, when I see a picture of him, it brings up, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not old enough to have been through the war, but I remember my grandparents going on and on and on. I remember saying, you're going to shut up about the bloody war for God's sake. But for them, you know, in yes. the seventies, when I was a kid, it would only really just happen to them. It had um, gone, you know, so quickly. Um, and, and, and that you know they talked about that a lot so I had great respect and they had huge respect for him you know they thought he was marvelous so I've grown up with this respect yeah. with this person so yes yeah, so he would be the first so he'd be my, my Gandalf your Gandalf okay he's arrived yes yeah I think he's he's taking up a fair bit of the table in Bag End as well <laughs> yes Bless yes. him, he's tucking into a pie. Okay, yeah, who's, yeah. Gonna, who's gonna come next? Uh, oh, well, now this is a complete, uh, yes, uh, they're all dead, my people, but that's okay. I mean, it, let's face it, what you know, the real ones you could potentially invite, so yeah, the good ones exactly. are more interesting. So it would be Eric Morecambe and Ernest Wise, Ernie Wise, oh. um, because uh, I absolutely adore them so much and they make me laugh so much. Um, and for those of your listeners who are too young to know who they are, they are, uh, and still are, um, you know, thought of as the best comedy double act that this country has ever, ever seen. I think their highest viewing figures was uh, Christmas Day 1977 or 78, and they got 28 million. Wow. 328,000 people tuned in to watch their their Christmas wow. show um, and they're just hugely respected and they worked so so hard from being young kids you yeah. know right up till you know uh, Eric's death and it was it just the most extraordinary thing and I've been reading books and watching documentaries about them and I'm tears streaming down my face from laughing so hard so can you imagine Morecambe and Wise and Winston Churchill at the table at Bag End. Oh my God, I'd be in doggy doo doo heaven at this point. Oh, it would be it would be absolutely something else, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I, you know, for for me, you know, they're, they're kind of an era that I didn't grow up with, but my grandparents absolutely yeah. adored them. And when I used to stay, quite often, if there was, you know, they used to reshow specials, didn't they? Yeah. And they used to rerun. They would always watch them. Uh, it was kind of a, just a very simple comedy, you know, but it was so yeah. classic and yeah. very classic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, I love them. Definitely. Yes, the next person I'd invite is also dead. So I'm totally okay, well, that's fine. Yeah. So I'm a huge Beatles fan, massive. Um, so it would be John Lennon. John Lennon would come knocking on the door at back end. Hey, let me in. Come on. <laughs> Now imagine Churchill and Lennon. Oh, or they get on. I think they get on okay. I think they would get on. They're on very. I think they'd have a lot of respect for each other. Mm. I think you've got four four men around the table actually who I think would all be able to speak their minds and yeah. be respectful of each other's thoughts and feelings and opinions, and yeah. you get some very interesting debates and conversation. I think. Yeah, definitely. Well. Uh, John Lennon uh, has met Morecambe and Wise before on a couple oh. of occasions and he and the Beatles actually said being on the Morecambe and Wise show is the best show we've ever been on as a group they yeah. had, we had so much fun and just loved working with Morecambe and Wise because they were so down to earth and normal like us you yeah. know so that that's so they've met before um but yeah, I think, you know, maybe not the same political views, you know, maybe Churchill and John would probably argue, but I think they'd have enough respect for each other. I mean, in fact, John middle, middle, John's middle name before it was changed to Ono was actually Winston. He was named, no after, he was named after Winston Churchill. You there you go. 
And I think having differing views is not always a bad thing. I think oh. it can make for very, you know, interesting table conversation. Oh, I'd rather sit next to somebody that you could have a, a really good debate with, not where you're falling out and shouting, but you could have a really intellectual, good debate, good chat. Uh, and if it got a little heavy, Morecambe and Wise would just get be yeah. straight in there with a bit of levity. Yeah, of course they would. They're going to bring me sunshine and do a tap dance, triple time step. But I think that I'd rather, and I did that once, I remember sitting down next to somebody at dinner table at somebody's birthday party. And this guy was really, you know, what, should we do? what are you into? I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, tell me what you're into, what music you're into. And I'd say, oh, I don't know, the Beatles. Oh, rubbish, I hate the Beatles. Oh, my God, the Rolly says, tell me why. Tell me. And we ended up, you know, I could not leave that table. We had such a great night because we were arguing, but it was really great, yeah. you know, really lovely, fresh, exciting conversation. And I'd rather sit there and do that than sit there and go, so, hi, what do you do? Oh, right, okay, that's exciting. That lovely, yeah, yeah, great stuff. More wine? Yes, God, I'm gonna need some. <laughs> we've all been, we've all been to a party like that. Yeah, <laughs> we're just constantly seeking the wine out because it will make yeah. things more interesting. Yeah, you start, well, you know you're in trouble when you actually start talking about the wine and how nice it is. This is nice. Yep. Oh, the conversation nice. has done. Yeah. yeah, if you're like, don't you think this wine is nice? Yeah, uh, that's yeah, it. yeah. You're yeah, not gonna have that. No, no, not. It's that. intriguing. You've got four men that you've invited. This is true. Now, let me think. Let me think. Uh, women. Who do I like? Well, I like lots and lots of women, and I'm going to kick myself afterwards. <clears throat> lots of lovely dead ladies I like, like legends and things like that. Like, oh, oh, wow, how exciting. Um, oh, gosh. Who would I have? Oh. Um, Julie Walters. I absolutely adore oh. Julie Walters. I think she's fabulous. Uh, I think she's incredibly funny. I think she's so talented. I've, I've watched nearly everything that she's ever done. I read her autobiography and I was just crying with laughter. Um, she's just a lovely down to earth person. And I think with myself, I don't know if, I just love people that have really, you know, they've really worked hard and they started young and they've really, you know, they, they've trodden the boards, as I like to say. They've done their apprenticeship. They've shown their metal. They've shown their worth. And, and, and they're still there. And, you know, they're not at all a diva. They're not rude. They're easy to work with. They're happy, lovely yeah. people. And that, to me, I just think is, is gold. And, and, and every time I see her on screen, I mean, I was showing my daughter uh, if you've never seen it, it's called Acorn Antiques. Oh and my goodness, my mum loves it. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, and my daughter, she's 22. She went, What are you watching? And I went, Oh my God, Mary, please just sit down and watch this. And it's Julie Walters, where she sort of has this rock, because she's from Birmingham anyway. <clears throat> she has this really sort of brummy, strong, brummy accent. And she plays a character called Mrs. Overall. And she has sort of, she plays this, you know, she's got a hump. You know, and she we're working in, a, in an antique centre, but she's um, she comes in, Mrs. Overall, and she always the tr the tray's got a cup of tea on it and some mac coconut macaroons, and she comes in and she's always shaking and she's got like a hair net and and she pulls these funny faces. Oh, it's it, she's just brilliant in it. But uh, uh, but all her movies and everything that she's done, absolutely fantastic. So I, love I feel her. like she's part of a brace of female comedians. You have Victoria Wood and French yeah. and Saunders, yeah. and you know, yeah. Julie, who you feel like if you met them, you'd just be able to sit and chat with them over a cup of tea or a glass of wine or something. Yeah. And they all, like you said, they all seem to have worked so hard, yeah. but they make what they do look so effortless. Yes. Yeah, it's so easy. Yeah, and, and and when you watch them being interviewed, I'm thinking, oh, please be nice, please be nice, oh God, please be nice, and they are, and you're like, oh, lovely. Another person again is who I absolutely adore is Judy Dench. Oh. I think she just and you know it's so funny if you if you if people say, oh you know, uh, I'm going to go and watch a movie, and uh, oh who's in it, and it's Judy Dench. You go, oh, I 
can relax. I know I'm going to have a lovely time. It's like putting a pair of old slippers on. I know that sounds terrible, but you can, you know, you're in good hands with her and you know yes. you're going to watch a really great movie. Yeah, her and Imelda Staunton as well. I feel oh. like whenever someone says she's in a film, you're like, well, it's going to be good then because she doesn't do no. Uh, no, she's in the crown. She's the new queen. Ooh. Yes, I know. I saw a photograph of her. I was like, oh, okay. I loved her in Harry Potter. I thought she was so evil. It was marvellous. She really embodies the same. Like, I feel like Judy Dench brings such a like gravitas to everything oh, she does. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't even do anything. She's just on screen, like, and she could be smoking a cigarette or having literally yeah. sipping her cup, and you think, oh my yeah. God, she's terrifying, but she's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> and it's funny, isn't it? I, I look at, I, it, see, I don't watch telly. I don't watch the telly telly. I'll watch, like, you know, your Netflix and your Amazon. I'm the same. Yeah, documentaries. I love documentaries. But I don't see now people will say to me oh do you know such and such a body from the telly and I'll go I'm really so I haven't a clue I haven't a clue unless they've been on the crown or on some movie you know that, that's yeah. on Netflix or whatever yeah I'll go say yeah yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't know and isn't that isn't that sad though I think it's really sad I mean I think because I grew up when there were just three channels you know, so, you know, and you know, Saturday night telly came on, you know, the whole family sat around and watched it. I know. still remember that. I say this to my kids, you know, and I'm only 32, but I said it was an event, you know, yeah. when Gladiators and Bruce's Price yeah. is Right was on and you yeah. would gather around on your tiny TV. Yes. Like, oh God, yeah. yeah, with the tiny TV. When I was even younger, your parents would know that <laughs> have a black and white TV and it was the aerial and some poor sod. Yeah. <laughs> namely me would have to stand in the corner up a bit up a bit left a bit left a bit to try and find the right signal with the aerials on top of the television oh my god those were the days they were and I feel like I remember like my grandparents would literally watch that Emmerdale and Corrie every single night yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think terrestrial tv is a shame you know again like we're saying about things being so instant you know, everyone, you can just have all this television at the touch of a button and actually there was something really nice about and I having to run to the toilet on the ad breaks you didn't miss it because you couldn't pause it you can pause tv I know. I know I remember when that first came in I went what do you mean you can pause it yeah. what do you mean you can pause the England match oh my god and then it'd be like I don't if if you paused it then if somebody I, I don't know somebody came went on the t uh, telephone and and I'd be shouting don't tell us what's happened we've had to pause it for yeah. a reason because you didn't want to say them to oh, you scored you know um Kids oh, will never know the joy of having literally three minutes in which to pee or whatever it was. Otherwise you'd miss, because like The Simpsons was only 30 minutes. So if you missed, you know, yeah. that was a big chunk of time you'd, you'd have yeah. to miss. I do think it's it's a shame. And I think that's what, you know, Morecambe Wise and Victoria Wood and G. Walters, they hark back to that real like golden yeah. age. You know, David Jason, you know. Oh, and we were talking about this, me and my hubby, we were saying, when was the last really good sitcom? Yeah. What was the, you know, and we were saying, well, there was only Thoughts and Horses, there was the Vicar of Dibley, or, I mean, we've been watching reruns of Rising Damp. I don't know if you ever remember that. I, my, again, my dad, it was a, a lot very big Rising yes. Damp fan. Oh my God. Um, well, I watched the one, I, I, you need to watch it, it's on YouTube. It's called, it's season two, Things That Go Bump in the Night. And there's a bit in there where Rigsby thinks he sees a ghost. Well, his reaction, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. My lips went blue. I stopped. Honestly, I couldn't catch my breath. I was laughing that much because I've seen grown men react like that. And I can't help it. I just laugh my ass off. And part of them when it's happening to me. Sorry, I said ass. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. This is not, it's not suitable for children. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. Yeah. So honestly, I have a sick sense of humor. I love watching people get scared unless it's me I we had this wonderful shot um uh, uh, on night vision camera of one of the cameramen remember when you've got night vision camera you can't see anything in front of you yeah. you just can't see a thing so this poor guy walks <laughs> we were in a theater chroma pier it was a theater at the end of chroma pier and he walks into one of the dressing rooms and behind the door an ironing board falls forward well i honestly weed because i never laughed so much in my i'm looking he can't see but i can see through my camera 
So I can see what's happening, but he doesn't know what he's fighting with. He's fighting, fighting with an ironing board and screaming. This is a grown man, nearly 40 odd years of age. It's just screaming that he's oh, being attacked. It was, and I, and my knees had gone, I weed a bit. I was laughing so hard because it wasn't a ghost, it was an ironing board. Oh, oh it was the, the funniest. Morecambe and Wise would have been very proud of that. They moment. would have. Yeah. They would have. And now as well, I'm picturing you, Julie Walters coming and sitting with Morecambe and Wise and Churchill and John Lennon and your family. Yes. I don't oh, think wow. I think that sounds, I mean, it's a pretty small place as well. You've got to cram into Bag End at this point, which yeah. again would be hilarious. I'm sure someone's gonna bump ahead or yeah. Yeah. you know. This is a this is a pretty amazing gathering. It and is. I have and to know, is there more. anyone? Yes, I've got one more. You're one more. Yeah, one more. Sorry, it's another man. So Julie is in really good conversation with. It's I am a huge fan. Another huge fan of so many fans. I've got, I'm such a fan of so many people. Of Billy Connolly, and <sighs> I have, he taught me to swear from being a very little girl. I honestly, because my mum and dad loved him, so I, I used to watch him on the telly. And uh, and I grew up with it. I got every DVD he ever did. I'm currently trying to buy one of his sketches, but they're proving to be incredibly expensive um, and just very rare. Um, yeah. But I just adore him, and I think, oh my god, when he was younger, he should have gone for being a prime the prime minister oh. because some of the things he was coming out with, I was like, yes, oh my god, I agree with you, you know. And it just, yeah. it's just and I had the opportunity to meet him. Wow. And he made me, uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to meet him and I backed out because I was so, I thought, oh, I don't want him to be rude or say anything because he, he mentioned Most Haunted in his, in his tour. And he was going, has anybody seen that show Most Haunted? That blonde-haired woman on there, she's banging her foot on the floor and going, did you hear that? He said, what a load of pish. What a load of, anyway, so, so my husband, uh, for my birthday got tickets and he phoned Billy's agent and said just to let you know Yvette's coming he said because I know you're talking about Most Haunted and do you know what was so lovely is he mentioned the show but he took the bit out where he said what a load of pish and he was so lovely it, it, and, and I was sliding mm. down into my seat and I had the opportunity to meet him but I I I know it's all right I, I just because he's such a hero yeah. in my head I thought, oh my God, if he says the slightest thing, I don't, that would kill me. Yeah. And, but I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd, I wish I'd been brave and I wish I'd met him. Oh, I really do. Such a shame. But oh, I, I, he for me is always, uh, as a child, he was Billy Bones in Muppet Treasure Island. And <laughs> that was, that is how he'll always be to me. And my, my, again, my parents absolutely, same as you, absolutely adored him. I think they watched all of his comedy and stand up. Yeah. yeah. You know, they absolutely loved him. Um, but yeah, for me, that's in my head, he's just always Billy Bones from yeah. Treasure Amazing. Island. There you go. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Amazing. And I have to, you know, you've got some incredible people in the room. You've got some real, you know, heroes, especially of comedy. Yeah. And, you know, music and politics. Is there anyone that you do not want to show up? Oh, God. Well, apart from Winston, no other politicians. That's very fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just, I, I, I've had it up. I've had it. I've just had it with all of them. I just, I don't trust any of them. No, nope. I, I think it's a real shame that we don't have anybody that we can trust anymore or look, look up to. I mean, we haven't for a very long time, but it's a real shame. So no politicians, absolutely none. Um, and anybody that's a diva. In, and I've dealt with many of them in my life and in my career. And they are horrific people that don't deserve to be where they deserve to be so anybody that's even rumored to be a bit of a diva not allowed get no out. Get there's out. no room in the shire for divas there's either no i don't think in the shire. winston wouldn't allow it because of no. course he's taken the place of gandalf so he'd get rid of them with his with his with his cigar magic cigar <laughs> <laughs> i want to see him try on gandalf's hat actually <laughs> oh my god I've got this image in my head now it's a great <laughs> image actually isn't it that is a great image he would look great in it well oh, I, I very it. much approve of this evening I think it's um, and thank you for sharing you know I think it's a very uh, intimate party for you with a lot of your kind of yes. heroes which I very much love 
And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of this evening in uh, in Devon, I have to ask if you're reading anything on your holidays. Yes, I am. Uh, I'll go and get it for you, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm so ridiculously boring, aren't I? Ah, oh, Morecambe and Wise. <laughs> you can't go wrong with a bit of Morecambe and Wise, can you? Yeah, I love it. Anything about famous people and their lives, autobiographies, I find it absolutely fascinating. So if I'm a fan of somebody, I will, and they've written a book about themselves, I will grab it and I, I, I will uh, love to read. I'm so nosy, can't help myself. I love that though. Like I think I've only read a few autobiographies and usually they're musicians. And I have to say, I think that's because I really want to read like the sex and drugs and rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. And I read Dave Grohl's uh, autobiography and he's just so nice. And as I was reading, I thought, this isn't really what I'm in the market for. I want to read <laughs> all, the, all the awful stuff they got up to, you know, yeah. throwing stuff out of windows and yeah. I don't want the niceties. Read the um, the John Lennon one. I forgot, I haven't got Ooh. it with me here, but uh, the John Lennon book, um, the re uh, is it The Real John Lennon? Really big, thick book. Ooh. Wow. Wow. What, uh, what um, Yoko Ono, what uh, the... <gasps> the off that I mean they used a psychic actually in America and every day she would ring him up uh, and this psychic said right what should John do today and she'd get John to go on a plane you need to be in Barbados why you need to be in Barbados because it's good for you I don't know why you just need to go and he would get on a plane and go and they would honestly it, it's a real eye-opener obviously because yeah. it's not written by him it's a, uh, it, you know, you have to take, I suppose, some of it with a pinch of salt, yeah. but, you know, and I'm a bit, because I'm a huge John fan, I'm like, no, I don't want to hear anything bad about my John, uh, you know, but I, it's a, it was a really interesting read, I, I, I really liked it, but if you want rock and roll, that's a great book to read. Oh, I should check it out. What I really need is a psychic who's going to ring me up and tell me I should be in Barbados tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Because it would do me the world of good. Yeah, that or the lottery winning numbers would be great. That would be fantastic. I could use those. Yes, I think <laughs> a lot of people would. Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I agree. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And it's been a little slice of nostalgia for me. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, good. Well, I've enjoyed it too. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, I shall go to bed tonight, not dreaming of anything horrific, paranormal or weird. I shall be thinking of my little, uh, little hobbit hole in the Shire with all my lovely new friends I've made. And you'll be there as well. Ah, oh, thank you very much. And you'll get to see Winston in his, oh, yeah. uh, his Gandalf hat. Oh, lots of love. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.